Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Are you ready for this word? That was your test to see if you were going to help me, and only two of you did. So we're going to, the, the more you shout, the faster I preach. All right. <laughs> no, it probably encourages me. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Anybody excited about Thanksgiving coming up? If you don't have anything special for Thanksgiving, if your family is scattered abroad or you don't have any, uh, you don't have any family in your life, make sure and join us for our Thanksgiving dinner here. Rose had mentioned this last week. There are some families that the Thanksgiving we do here, they've made that their Thanksgiving, and it's awesome. And uh, it's one of my favorite events every year. You have a great time, and so that's next Monday at 6, like we said. And uh, yeah, Thanksgiving. We're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And the Apostle Paul writes this to the believers at the church of Philippi. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Somebody shout thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. In the peace of God, the peace of God's own peace, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Pray with me while the booth gives me ever so slightly a little more on my monitor. Pray with me. Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for your people that are here. Thank you for your spirit. Father, I believe this is what you have for me to share. Please help me. Help me to yield to you. Minister your word to the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, perfect. Praise the Lord. Popular verse, and uh, if, you've, if you've been around me for any time at all, you know that I come back to a handful of verses over and over and over and over again. And this is one of those areas from uh, Philippians chapter 4. I've ministered so much from Philippians chapter 4. And I want to preach this verse today. I want to preach it backwards. I want to preach it in reverse. There is, a, there is a promise in this passage. There is a promise from God. There is a, is a blessing. There is a result. There is a consequence. There is a thing here which is produced. And we want to talk about that, but then we want to work backwards into what causes it. Amen? So... We will look at the effect first, 
And then we're going to work our way into the criteria. We will look at the effect, which hopefully we all desire this effect, and then we will trace it through its roots back to the cause. I mentioned something a few minutes ago when I had come up here during praise and worship, and it is this. Uh, in everything we deal with in our Christian life, there is an objective side. There is a side that stands. There is something that simply exists. There is a reservoir of what Jesus has paid for, of what God has offered, and it stands. And it is constant, and it is sure, and it is unchanging. But there is a subjective side, which is our reaction to what God has offered. It is what we do with what Jesus has paid for. Most of what Jesus has done, it is not automatic in our lives. The blessing does not come by accident. Victory does not come by accident. It is not automatic. And so the objective side, we would call grace. And it is what stands. It is paid for. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. It is done. It is finished. But the subjective side to the gospel is not grace. The subjective side is faith. Somebody say faith. And faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. Faith is a decision to depend on something. Faith is a decision to lean on something. Faith is a decision. It is a choice, many times a literal action, to put your weight on something. Faith simply is trust. What do you trust in? What do you put your faith in? What you lean on determines what you get. What you push into will determine what comes back to you. Whatsoever you sow is what you're going to reap. The objective side of an orange is that it's full of orange juice. The subjective side is what I put my straw in. You remember the Tropicana commercial? The subjective side is what I decide to squeeze. An orange can be an orange all day long, and a lemon can be a lemon all day long. And, and it, it doesn't affect uh, the truth of what it is or the vitamin C that is in it or the health benefits that are right there being offered. It has nothing to do with me if I don't grab an orange, if I don't cut an orange, squeeze an orange, drink from an orange, eat an orange. The objective side and the subjective side. Are you with me this morning? So the objective side of the gospel is grace. The subjective side is faith. Grace is settled and sure, but faith is up to you. Faith is up to you. You decide what to lean on. You decide what to act on. You decide what to base your life decisions on. You decide your worldview. So first we're going to look at the promise the promise is this, the peace of God, which when it says the peace of God, God's own peace. 
Can I tell you God is not worried? Can I tell you that God is not scared? You, you hear crazy stuff in church, especially in Pentecostal churches. And a friend of mine was in a service one time, and somebody stood up and began to speak in another language. And then someone stood up. Now, you're going to laugh at first, but then you're going to get sad, I hope. Somebody stood up to interpret what had been said, and here was the interpretation they gave. They said, my child, do not be afraid nor a scared, for I, the Lord, have been afraid and a scared myself. Come on, somebody. At first you hear that and you're like, oh, my gosh, thinking about somebody. And then real quick, you're like, hold up. God has never been afraid nor a scared. God has never been worried. God has never been surprised. God has never been shocked. He's never been caught off guard. When I say the peace of God, if I can have the peace that he owns, if I can have the surety and assurity, the assurance and the confidence, if I can have the knowing that God has, if I can have that peace, sign me up. Come on, and we can. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. I guess so. That kind of peace does pass all understanding. Last night, we, we attended service at uh, St. Paul Lutheran Church in Farmington. Deacon was uh, inducted. In, they go to the, the school there. And Deacon was inducted into the uh, Lutheran National Junior Honor Society. Woo, praise the Lord. And so there, there was a handful of kids that, uh, based on the, the teacher's observations of not only academics, but character and helpfulness and things like this, we we're very, very proud of him. Very, very proud of him. But anyway, they, they did that during their service. And I, I love going to church. I'll go to church. Just I love church. I love I love preachers wearing robes and I love preachers wearing ties and I love preachers wearing shorts and I love stained glass windows or I love fancy lights and I love Jesus and I love God's people. Amen. If you're Methodist and you got a word from the Lord, deliver it. I want it. I don't care who you are. I don't care where it comes from. I'll sit in the Baptist church. I'll sit in the Nazarene church. I'll sit in the Presbyterian church. I love Jesus, and I love God's people. And uh, if, if they're preaching the Lamb of God, I'll take it. A friend of mine said that when you decide where you go to church and what kind of church you go to, really you're just determining how do you like your Lamb. Come on. People like different styles. People like things loud, or I like them loud. Come on. People like things quiet. Their organ was a little different than our organ at the Lutheran Church over there, and uh, I, I appreciate it. But anyway, uh, one of the things that they were talking I've about forgot what I'm talking about here. Let me get, let me get back on my, on my point. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding. So Pastor Constine last night, his message was about how... How, do you how can you have hope when it looks like everything's falling apart? What a great word. 
What a great word. And he delivered a great word, by the way. How do you have hope? He talked about different situations of war. He talked about poverty. He talked about things people are facing in third world countries. He talked about political upheaval and tension. He talked about families that are torn apart. And these are things that are familiar to all of us. And he said, how do you have hope? It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense to be able to have hope through some of the things that we endure and through some of the things that we face. But yet we can have hope. It passes all understanding. It passes understanding. The peace of God, which is a peace that passes all understanding. The peace that does not make sense shall keep your hearts. Yes, please. There's a peace that can keep my heart when it looks like life's being ripped apart. Yes, please. There is a peace that can keep my heart when somebody uh, dies an untimely death. There is a peace that can keep my heart when there's more month than money. There is a peace that can keep my heart when I can't make ends meet and I can't even find the ends. Somebody help me in here today. There is a peace that can keep my heart when the world doesn't make sense, when friends leave me, when I can't afford hamburger or gas. And the Bible says there is a peace that passes all understanding. It's the peace of God Almighty himself. It is the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this peace can keep my heart. This peace can keep my mind. I woke up this morning with my mind staying on Jesus, the peace of God, and I need it. I need his peace to keep my heart. I need his peace to keep my mind. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to be productive when your mind is not at peace? Regular stuff. I can't figure out how to fry an egg when I don't have peace. Somebody said recently, uh, do you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost to make it to heaven? I have to be filled with the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. Have you been there on a Friday night? I, I need thee, Lord. I need thee every hour. I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need your peace to keep my heart. I need your peace to keep my mind. I need your peace to keep my marriage. I need your peace to keep my family. I need your peace to keep my household. I need the peace of God. Somebody put your hands together if you need God's peace. I need it. It's so difficult to be productive when your mind is clouded. It's difficult to get your work done. It's difficult to get in the floor and play with your kids. It's difficult not to yell at your dog. 
when you don't have peace, when your mind is clouded by anxiety, when your mind is clouded by pain, when you are vexed with worry, when you're trying to manage through unrest and exhaustion and sleepless nights because of the weight, it's hard. Have we experienced times when we knew we had the information of what to do, and yet our brain simply would not engage. Have you ever just stood and looked at this? Somebody said this the other day. You ever just stood and looked at the clothes in your closet and thought, why can I not grab one and pull it off? Come on. Why can't I just grab a Like, what is going on that I can't even think to pick out an outfit? Like, I know what I need to be doing, but you're asleep. In, in the daytime, you're too tired to be awake. And in the nighttime, you're too awake to fall asleep. Look at your neighbor and say, what's up with that? It's hard to function when your mind is not clear. When your brain won't engage because of exhaustion or when your thoughts are preoccupied with the trouble and with the trial that you are facing. And you're just trying to do regular stuff. My God, you're just trying to do regular stuff. But you can't get away from what happened with the friend. You can't get away from what's going on in your family. You can't get away from the conversation that you're dreading and it's coming up and you need to have it and you can't get away. Have you ever been frustrated because your thoughts weren't free? I just want my mind to be free. I just want my, I want it to be okay to sit down on a porch swing and just sit there. But my mind is not free. Have you ever been frustrated because your mind, your thoughts were not free to allow you to accomplish your work due to stress, due to oppression, due to strategic demonic forces trying to hold you back, trying to hold you down? Did you ever say, God, this doesn't make sense. It feels like I'm a piece on a chessboard. It feels like I'm under a big thumb. It seems like I'm being played. Have you ever been there? The scripture gives a promise that it is possible for us to have peace. That it is possible to have a peace that doesn't make sense. That it will keep our hearts, that it will keep our mind. But the Bible says it is hinged on certain criteria. The Bible says that it is contingent on a certain set of choices that we must make to activate it. Somebody say, Holy Spirit, activate. There are choices and decisions that we have to make to walk into what's been paid for. We've got to squeeze the juice out of the orange. We've got to pick up. He said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. I have to grab. It is intentional. 
I'm not going to happen into victory by accident. I have to read the promise. I have to apply faith. I have to go over where it's at. I have to pick it up and squeeze the juice. Are you ready to squeeze the juice out of the peace in your life? There are certain things we have to do. Too many believe that these things should be automatic simply because we belong to God. Too many suppose that God alone is to work out our well-being for us. That he should make us happy. And in it, we ignore everything that that same God himself said that we have to do to cooperate and to partner with him to bring about the results. I want to look at a couple of words here that we use all the time, and I want to consider their meaning. Here are the words. The words are good. Somebody say good. And the other word is great. Somebody say great. Now, somebody, some, some people think that great is a level of good. They think that one thing would be good, but if it was even better, it would then be great. They think that great is like the extreme of good. Does that make sense how I said it? But that's incorrect. Great is not a level on the, the scale of goodness or the scale of, of good. Much of the time when we ask someone how they are doing, when somebody asks you, somebody says, how are you doing? We might say, good, Good. Now, while modern dictionaries have given us some liberty to this, it's used that way, good really is not a way to be doing. How are you doing? Good. <laughs> Thank you, Summer. How are you doing? Good. Well, good is not really a way of doing. Way is a good, or good is a way of being. Good is a standing. Good is the opposite of evil. Evil is darkness. Evil is wrong. Evil is sin. Good is light. It is wholeness. It's it's who God is. God is good. He's not doing good. How you doing, God? Oh, I'm doing good. I mean, he's doing a lot of good. Come on. He is good. Goodness is a state of being. It's a standing. It is moral purity. It is righteous. And Jesus gave us his good. Ness. He hand it is good, isn't it? Rosa, that's good. Yes, it is. Jesus gave us his goodness. We are good in him. I am good when I'm not doing good. And I'm good. When I am. If somebody asks you how you're doing, they're really talking about how things are going. And then you, you're answering them about being saved. 
You didn't even know it. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, righteous, according to the blood. Holy, set apart, uncommon, king, priest, son, daughter of the Most High. They say, I was just kind of wondering how it was going today. Good. There's not a greater level called great. Good is it. God is good. Now, God's also great, but that's something else. That's talking about something complete. That's two different subjects. It's not a, it's, it's not a gauge on the, on the scale. Goodness. Our standing in him is that he has made us good by him. We're in him, and he's in us. Now, great. Somebody say, great. great. Somebody say, they're great. I didn't know if you'd really do it, but thank you. Great really has nothing to do with good. Great is a different subject. Something can be really bad and be great at it. Hallelujah. I'm stalling because I lost my place, even on this big television. Something can be really bad but be great at it. A great tragedy. You can experience a great loss. You can suffer a great failure. Now, great can be applied to positive things. You can win a great victory. You can have great riches. You could be a great success. You could have a great sense of humor. The word great is not about a moral standing, but rather great is an adjective about the size of something, its magnitude and its effectiveness. Good is a standing, but great describes a way, a way. If good describes your Standing, you see, to be great, you might want to write this down. To be great is to be large, to be impactful, to be effective, making a big difference. That's what it means to be great. So if good describes your standing and great describes your effectiveness... It is very possible for someone to be good without being great. There are a lot of folks saved that aren't doing anything. By legal declaration of the blood, they are good, but they are not living great. They are not making an impact. God has made me righteous in him. He has declared me his own, and that's wonderful. But I don't simply want to be good. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I want to affect the world around me with the power that's in me. I want to be great. I want to be great. There are so many people that are saved, but they live in such defeat that they're not getting anything done in the world around them. Am I talking to anybody? They have not learned peace, and therefore their mind has not become an avenue by which his work 
can flow through it. Worry stands in the way of work. Anxiety is hindrance to activity. And fear prohibits fruitfulness. And all the while, here is this great Bible promise that the peace of God that surpasses understanding will keep our hearts and our minds through him. How do we do it? How do we clear the mind of the chaos and the confusion? How do we make our soul an aqueduct for living water? How do we clear the way? How do we experience peace that we may accomplish greatness instead of being good and useless? The first half of the verse holds the key, which takes much discipline and even practice and making the decision over and over and over again, not simply one time and done. Let's look at it again, Philippians 4 and 6. We're going to break it down just a little bit of time. So in the booth, we're going to keep, I'll, I'll be talking between and working it. And so you can leave it all up there if you want. It doesn't matter to me. Be careful for nothing. S say that real quick. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. This word care it deals with anxiety. If you read in the Amplified, it'll say, be anxious for nothing. Have no anxiety about anything, okay? It means worry. It means worry. It means anxiety. But let's make this so simple. Be careful for nothing, full of care. Careful, full of care. Don't be full of care for anything. In, it doesn't mean we don't care about anything. Naturally, we're dealing with things in this context, coming against us, things trying to hinder us, trying to stop us. Be careful for nothing. What does it mean when we care for something? It may be best understood when we ask it this way. What does it mean when we care for someone, if you're giving care to someone, a care provider, a care provider? When someone needs our care... We give our attention to them. When someone is in need of our care, we tend to them. We get them some water. We help them to the restroom. We help them to change. We'll cook for them. We'll prop them up. We'll take them for a walk. We see to their health, to their hygiene. We care for them. We help them. We give our time to address them. To care for someone is that we make sure to meet them at the place of their need. To care for someone. To meet them at the place of their needs demands. Whatever their need, whatever their situation demands... We meet them at the place of their demand. We care. We give care to them. The Bible in light of oppression, the Bible in light of negative circumstances, 
The Bible in light of pain, the Bible in light of worrisome situations, the Bible in light of the attack of the enemy says, be careful for nothing. As long as you are giving your time to address the problem, as long as you are tending to the tribulation and the trouble, as long as you are caring for the chaos, it is living rent-free inside of your head. Come on, somebody. The Scripture says, quit giving it your care. We thought that meant, how do I turn it off and not think about it? Well, I don't know that you can do that, but I can quit giving it my care. I can quit taking time away from work and my family and the things that matter and giving my time to the thing that's trying to destroy me. Quit giving it your time and your attention. Quit tending to it. We could simply say, quit worrying about it. But it is much more practical to say, quit giving it your time and your attention. Is this helping anybody? You know, if we jump to verse 8, it says this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, you've been giving your time to that which is false. They lying about you? Don't think about it. It's a lie. It's not true. Why are you giving your time to the lie that they're spreading? Why are you joining the person that's trying to destroy you? Let them talk. Let them deal with God. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. I'm tired of thinking about the hateful. I'm going to think about the lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. I don't want to watch the news anymore. I don't want to watch election reports anymore. I want to look at a good report. If there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. The apostle said, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, what are those things? Well, he was shipwrecked. He was beaten half to death. He did die one time, and the Lord brought him back. He was persecuted everywhere he went. He was thrown into prison, shackled to the walls, put in the deepest prison where there was uh, water and feces up to his hips and stuff running around. And at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to praise the Lord that an earthquake came and shook their bonds loose and opened the doors of all the cells of all the prisoners. And the guard woke up seeing the doors open and got ready to take his life and Paul said don't worry we're all still here and household salvation came to the prison guard by the testimony of one person that was willing to praise God in the prison to worship God in the midst of a war to believe God in the midst of the battle he did not care for the problem those things which you have learned and received and seen in me do and the God of peace will be with you. But even there in that verse 7 we were looking at, he expounds. And he gives you some practical application. But in everything, you got worries, you got cares, you got anxieties, you got problems. But in everything by prayer, go to the Lord. 
We have not because we ask not or because we ask amiss to consume it upon our own lust, James said. Well, we've tried everything else. All we have left to do is pray. Child of God, aren't you walking in a daily love relationship with the Lord? Didn't you talk to him this morning? Why didn't you bring it up then? Didn't you talk to him before you got the phone call? The Bible says pray without ceasing. Isn't it an open line? Amen doesn't mean you hung up. Amen means so be it. You just keep on praying. Amen is not the end of the prayer. It's just I agree with you and I keep on talking. Go to the Lord. Did you forget to pray? You say, I don't know what's going to happen. Did you forget to pray? Go to the Lord. But in everything by prayer, go to the Lord. And supplication. Be specific. Supplication means not just conversational prayer, not relational prayer, but requests. Not only do I pray, but I pray about this. I say, God, here is what's happened. Here is what's vexing me. Here is what's going on. God, I give you this problem. I invite you into this situation. I ask for wisdom about this decision. Supplication. With. Mm, we're getting ready to go where I've been headed this whole time. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. There is no other way to ask God for anything but to thank him while you're asking him. And if we're doing more asking than we are praising, we've got it all messed up. Our praise should far outweigh our prayer. Our worshiping should far outweigh our asking. So it better be that when we do ask, and he wants us to ask, that we do it with worship. That we let the request, he said, let the request be made known, but let it be known with your thanksgiving. God, here is the situation. I thank you that you're already on the scene. I thank you that you never left me nor forsaken me. I thank you that I've never been alone. God, I thank you that there have been a million mountains before, and you took me over those or through them or around them. And even though I haven't seen this one, you saw it. God, I faced this one with the same faith that I faced that one. This might be a mystery to me, but it's not a mystery to you. God, you hold all the answers. You're the only wise God. There's none beside you. There's none above you. God, I know you're in front of me and behind me and all around me, and I'm facing this in your name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they cannot get any help in here today, and they are safe. God has never left you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves you. You're the ones that overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony and loving not your lives unto death. Give God a crazy praise that he's got it figured out before you even ask him. With thanksgiving. Somebody grab your neighbor and say, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. 
Now, here we are in November, and our attention turns toward what we are thankful for. People posting on Facebook every day in November something they're thankful for leading up to Thanksgiving. Well, a major contributor, a major contributor to why we don't see more peace in our minds a major factor in why we don't see more of the Holy Spirit flowing through us is that we are entitled instead of grateful. That we are more selfish than we are servants. That we have Come to God to help with our problem without asking what we can do for him. That we have tried to make God our helper instead of our king and our Lord. That we have created our own plans and asked him to bless them instead of saying, God, what do you want to do today? We have tried to make God our passenger instead of our pilot. We've asked him to bless us instead of joining him in what he's called us to. When we decide what we think life is supposed to look like, when we try to paint God as we think he should be, we will always be spoiled and never grateful and thereby never at peace. We never get to the place of being great because we're too busy chasing glitter. We never get to the place of effectiveness because we just keep asking God to bless us. We never turn it outward. We never turn it outward. I, I, I've taught before about the Dead Sea and uh, what's right above it on the map. I can't remember if it's the Sea of Galilee. I can't remember what it is. It doesn't matter. The river flows into the one and it flows out and it flows into the other. Finishing at the Dead Sea. They call it the Dead Sea. Nothing can grow there. It's just, it's death all around it. It's the same water. Same water. Same source. It flows from up here at the source. It flows into the one which is teeming with life. It flows out, flows into the Dead Sea, and then everything's dead. When you examine the Dead Sea, it doesn't flow out to anywhere. The one that pours out everything it gets is constantly refreshed and recycled and renewed and restored and feeding everything around it. And there are beautiful plants and flowers and wildlife. And then the Dead Sea says, I'll just keep all of it for myself and everything dies. Which one are you? Which one are you? Until you are grateful you will never be great. Until you are grateful, you will never be great. I'm saved. Oh, yeah, I didn't say you weren't good. 
I said you weren't great. I didn't say you weren't going to heaven. I said you're not getting anything done on the earth. I didn't say you didn't belong to him. I said you're not serving him. Until you are grateful, you'll never be great. Until you are humble, you'll never find honor. You'll never find honor. Effectiveness is built on humility. Fruitfulness is built on thankfulness. And greatness is built on being grateful. Start looking at what you do have instead of what you don't. And you will be well on your way to conquering your mountains. Sometimes he will not change your mountain until your mountain changes you. Sometimes he will not bring you out of the storm until the storm has broken off of you what he guided you into the storm to do. Many times he will not take you out of it until you get something out of it. But you're too busy playing with it. We put more faith in that thing being able to hurt us than we have placed in God being able to deliver us. Quit giving your care to it. Talk to God about him, about it, and thank him all the way through it. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Your gratefulness will bring you to greatness. This is what he gave me. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.